Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. All right, so today we are going to begin a study of really one of the hardest books in the Bible uh, to understand. Um, And I've spent the last couple weeks looking into resources available for the book of Revelation. There's a ton. Uh, Some of it's good. Some of it's right on, but very boring. Some of it's way out there. And there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of different beliefs. Uh, Some people believe that the book of Revelation is uh, symbolic of of what's going to happen. It's not an actual, literal translation of what's going to happen. Because as we'll see, uh, John starts talking about, you know, flying insects that are shooting uh, daggers from their mouths, and you're like, well, how can that be? And then, you know, we'll look at what that possibly could be. It, it could be literal flying objects, or it could be Apache helicopters. We don't know. Somebody will find out one day. Uh, but we're going to look at that. So there's a lot of things. Now, here's one thing that I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you when Jesus is coming back, because I don't know. And anyone that says they know is dead wrong. Uh, I'm not going to name the Antichrist, because she's sitting in here, and I don't want to aggravate her. <laughs> I'm talking about her. I'm talking about her. <laughs> well, that's the beast, the Antichrist. See, there's two different things. Uh, so we're not going to be naming things and, and probably, you know, just really going to see the characteristics of it. Um, but over the, uh, the next 12 weeks, we're going to try to break down and really understand what's happening. And again, there's a lot of different ways um, we could do this. I could go verse by verse, uh, which would take us right around 200 weeks. Uh, that's a bit much. Um, we could go theme by theme or, or kind of idea by idea, chapter by chapter. So we're really going to uh, kind of look at the main parts of the book of Revelation. And the first thing we're going to look at is the structure of the book of Revelation. How was it written? Uh, what's the purpose of it uh, for it being written. Um, but we got to look at the outline. Um, you know, a lot of disagreements uh, come up about what the end times say. Um, for instance, if I throw out a, 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 a phrase, pre-tribulation, who knows what that is? All right, we got a couple. Who is pre-tribulation? Okay. Uh, post-trib. Anybody know what post-trib is? Who's post-trib? Mid-trib. Anybody know what mid-trib is? All right, who's mid-trib? All right. There's no wrong answer except for that one. (laughs) There's a lot of disagreements, and there's a lot of really good people, a lot of people I agree with on a lot of stuff that disagree on post-tribulation, pre-tribulation, or mid-tribulation, rapture of the church. Um, And really, honestly, I've, I've studied all the viewpoints, and I agree with all of them. Uh, all of them have valid viewpoints. I personally believe that we're pre-tribulation, and we'll get to that because the letters to the church is stopped for a purpose. Um, but if you're post-trib or mid-trib, it doesn't matter. As long as you believe we're going to be raptured up at some point. And one problem I think a lot of post-trib and pre-tribbers have with, uh, or mid-tribbers have with pre-trib, is, and I, I don't, a lot of people, a lot of pre-tribs think. The world's going to be butterflies and rainbows, and then we're going to be raptured up, and then all of a sudden things are going to hit the fan. 
No. Uh, a lot of bad stuff has to happen to set up the events in tribulation. Because a lot of stuff happens in seven years. And so even if you, know, if you're, you agree with me in your pre-trib, it's going to get bad before that trumpet sounds. Um, and it's getting bad. We can, we can all see it's getting bad with Bitcoin and Russia and China and all these. Well, it's a mess. But so today we're going to look at kind of the outline of the book because the outline is important. Uh, and I'm not going to try to disagree or try to correct some of the disagreements that we have uh, about the book. Um, because I believe if you properly study the Bible, the Bible will settle the disagreements for you. Um, and that's the, that's the only thing we need to have. But the key, uh, the key is a detail. The key detail in the outline and re understanding the outline of the book is it helps us really put the, the whole book of Revelation in perspective. So we're going to see a lot of things uh, about. First thing we're going to look at, we're going to look at the structure of the book of Revelation. Uh, how is it written? And again, a lot, all this is for context because no matter what book of the Bible you're studying, you have to take it into context. Who's it written to? What's their, what are they trying to say? Who's the audience that is being that is it is written to? So we're going to look at the structure of it. Then we're going to look at the outline of the book. Then we're going to not this week, but in a couple weeks, we're going to get into what is called the Church Age, and the Church Age has the the seven letters. Uh, to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and we're going to study those and what those are for, and then we're going to look at what the great aposty is, because um, again, a lot of people have a different ideas about what these things are. Now, one letter uh, captures our attention because it talks about the great aposty, uh, so we're going to go ahead and get going. So first, turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 1. Um, it should be easy to find. If you go to the maps, you're too far. Uh, so go back a little bit till you see Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> now again, a lot of ways we could study it. Verse by verse is going to take us forever. Uh, so we're going to take an overview approach, approach, hitting kind of the important aspects and learning some good truths. But right now, we're going to jump right into the middle of the first chapter and see that this verse provides us a backdrop for what we're going to look at tonight. So look at Revelation chapter 1, verse number 19. Write these things. Now, if you have a red letter edition, what color are they? What does that mean? These are Jesus' words to John the Apostle. You see that in the prologue. This is Jesus uh, writing or talking to John. So these are Jesus' letters. Now, real quick, historically speaking in the church age, after, during the book of Revelation, uh, had Jesus died and ascended yet? So he's talking to, is he talking to Jesus or is he talking to the glorified Jesus? He's talking to the glorified Jesus. That's going to come important. We're going to see that in a minute. But verse 19, write these things. Now, so Jesus is telling John what to write. Write these things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. So John is being told by Jesus, again, after the resurrection, after the church, after John's persecution, he is being told by Jesus to write this book. And Jesus gives him an outline. Now, it doesn't sound like an outline, but let's break it down. Uh, Jesus, is told, Jesus tells John to write the things he saw. It says, write the things uh, which thou hast seen. So the things that he has seen in the past. Um, things, and then he tells him to write the things that are. That's things that are in the present. 
and then this one gets confusing, uh, and it cut it off. Things that take place after these things. So, things you saw, things that are, things that will be, is what Jesus is, is telling John how uh, to write. Now, um, <clears throat> what John wrote are the things that Jesus told him to write. Now, how many chapters are in the book of Revelation? Anybody know over the top of your head? 22. 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. Now, so some part of the first part of this book um, are the things that John saw. Because we know Jesus said, write what you saw, write the things that are, write the things that are going to be after the things that are. So some part of it has to be the things that John saw. Now, uh, after that, he's going to write the things that are, which can get confusing. Because, and, but we're going to get back to that. It's, it's, it took me a while to wrap my head around it. You know, okay, he's writing what he saw, which is in the present tense. He's writing the things that are, that are in the present tense, but the things that are, still are, because we haven't got to the things that will be after these things. So it can get a little, little confusing. Now, so somewhere in these chapters, he stops talking about the things that he saw and starts thinking about the th talking about the things that are. Then we stop talking about the things that are and look at the things that are going to be after these things. So we have to figure out where these divisions are. Uh, so the first step is to find out uh, what was John seeing. What did he saw? I know that's bad English. Uh, what's the first thing that John saw? Now, if you're like me, that brings a question. Didn't John see everything in Revelation? I mean, it's a book of his vision, so he saw everything. So then what did he saw? He saw it all. So the whole book is of what John saw. He obviously saw the entire book, but here are those 22 chapters again uh, in the book of Revelation, all 22 of them. <clears throat> when we look at them, he doesn't write what he saw in all 22 chapters. Starting in chapter 4, he writes about visions. Now, visions are what he saw, right? No, not necessarily. Visions are given to people throughout the Bible, sometimes of things that are and sometimes things that will be after these things. So that's the things that are happening after uh, these things. So uh, he writes things, he writes the visions, whether they're eyewitnesses to these visions or whether they're just a dream, we don't really know. Uh, we just know that he saw these, that he had these visions in, starting in chapter 4. Uh, it's more clear that he didn't see these things happening in real time uh, because, again, he sees visions of things that are happening over multiple years. So if he would have experienced these things in real time, God would have had to drug him through time. Now, can God do that? Sure he can. Would God do that? Maybe. I don't think he did because anyone in the Old Testament who had a vision wasn't dragged through space and time to see what was going to happen, they just got a vision of what was going to happen. So John saw visions of things that are going to happen. So all the things that he sees in those chapters are future events. So he couldn't literally see them. Because in the Greek, the word saw is things you experienced. He didn't experience them. He got a vision of them. Um, so it's kind of like a preview of, of coming attractions. So, uh, obviously, what happens in chapter 4 through 22 are not what John saw, but what about 
uh, the rest of the book, chapters 1 through 3. Well, in chapters 2 and 3, he writes the letters to the seven churches. Uh, these are dictations. Jesus tells John what to write, and John writes it down. He literally writes these letters, puts it in an envelope, puts a forever stamp on them, puts it in the mailbox, and delivers it to the church. These letters went to the church. So these are dictations. He tells John what to write in these letters, and they get mailed out to the churches. So that's not seeing anything either. That's just John following instructions to write, not what he saw, but what he heard. So the only chapter that truly tells us what John saw is chapter number 1. So what did John see in chapter number 1? He saw Christ. Look at verse 12. <laughs> Revelation 1, 12, uh, starting in, one, in, in verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and I being turned, I saw. So he's telling us the things he saw. The seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with paps and a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a, two -edged, went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. So this is what John saw. He saw the glorified Christ. Now, a lot of artists have tried to draw what, Jesus, what John saw. Here's one rendition of it. Anybody guess what's wrong with that? Jesus ain't a white dude. Uh, number one, he's blonde, not white-haired. Also, the seven candlesticks, it was a menorah. It wasn't, a, it wasn't seven separate candlesticks. It was the seven can, the menorah that the Jewish people use. So, uh, there's a lot wrong with this picture. Again, he's not, he does, Jesus isn't a tan white dude. Uh, but this is how we envision him. Also, according to John, Jesus didn't look like a man. I mean, look at his, his thing again. His eyes are afire. He's got a sword in his mouth. Uh, he's blazing like the sun. Now, John knew this was Jesus. Um, but Jesus wasn't what John expected. John says he looked like the Son of Man, which literally means he had his the presence of Jesus, not the image of Jesus. Now, when Jesus first came, he came as a, a servant, born a baby, sir, you know, came to Jerusalem in a donkey, humbled himself. When he came the first time, he came as a servant. When he comes back, he's coming as a conquering king. And he, he's not going to look the same way that, that, that Jesus did to John when John was on the earth. That's why John's scared. Because the last time John saw Jesus, Jesus looked like Jesus. But now he hears the voice, and look, John called himself the, the apostle Jesus loved, which I always thought was kind of arrogant. Uh, but then I'm like, but God told him to write it. So I don't know. I actually looked into it. When it talks about the, the, the one Jesus loved, it talks about the one in the Greek, it's the way it could be translated because of the, the wording, the one that needed his love. 
So it's a very humble statement. John's saying, I needed Jesus' love. I needed salvation. I needed Him. But Jesus, I mean, He's the one that was at the cross. He's the one that's resting on Jesus' shoulder at the Last Supper. So He turns around expecting to see Jesus, and He sees that. He sees Jesus, but it's Jesus in His glorified body. That's why He falls down scared. Every time in the Bible someone comes in the presence of holiness and righteousness, they fall down scared. No matter who they are, no matter what they're going through. So this is Jesus as He will return one day. This is what He looks like now. You know, he's, you know we get this image that, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to run up and, and hug you. And look, we may be able to, we may not be able to, I don't know, but He's not going to look like we think He looks like in our Jesus Storybook Bibles. Uh, he's not going to be, you know, long flowing hair and, and, you know, Birkenstock sandals and saying, come here and give me a hug. He's going to be holy. So more than likely, instead of running up to him to hug him, we're going to run up to him to fall down before him. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get to hug him in the new heaven and the new earth. You have plenty of time to hug Jesus. I'm not saying you can't. That will happen one day. <clears throat> so that's why John, uh, Jesus tells John, don't be scared. So the whole book of Revelation uh, is prophecy. Even chapter 1. But that's events that happened in the past. That's events of what John saw. But John saw what all the world will see one day when Jesus returns. That's what he's going to look like when the, the clouds part and he comes down with his angel armies. And then not just, this is after the rapture. Again, we're long before we get to that. But this is when all the earth will see him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And for those who don't know him as Savior, it's going to be a terrifying sight. Because you see Jesus coming down, eyes of fire, sword in his mouth, blazing like the sun, you know, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so this is what's going to happen one day when Jesus returns. Now, it's telling the story of events in the past, but what John saw was a preview of what Jesus will look like when he returns. But he hasn't. Now, it's important that we understand uh, that the book of Revelation is trustworthy. That's why chapter 1 is there. So we can see what John saw. No, he is writing what God had told him to write because we need to know that the, Bible, the book of Revelation is trustworthy and it's given by a man, John, but it was given to him by Jesus. So chapter 1 authenticates in Revelation that John wrote the things that he saw. So we can know what we read about Jesus' glorified return, and we can trust what we, what we have read is going to happen. Once we believe chapter 1, and we know what's, what John has said, and we know that it's true, then we can believe the rest of the book. Because the rest of the book gets a little wild. Gets a little unbelievable. So chapter 1 is the things that John saw. Now it gets a little easier by process of elimination. So we know what John saw, but where do we, where do we put the things that, that are? What chapters are those? So we've got to look at those. What, what are the chapters that are? So again, our outline here, uh, the things that John saw is chapter number 1. So that means by process of elimination, the things that are begin where? Chapter number 2. They begin in chapter number 2. That's where the things that are start. But then they go until the things that are after these things. And I've got very good views too. So we've got to figure out, okay, the things that are 
start in chapter 2, and they go to the things that are after these things, but when do the things that are after these things start? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. The problem is with the word are. What is, uh, what is wrong with the word are in a book of prophecy? It's present tense. But we're talking about prophecy, which is future tense. So the things that are in a book of the future doesn't seem to, to make a lot of sense. It's a present active tense ver word, uh, which in the Greek it's present active tense, which means even though this book was written over 2,000 years ago, uh, it is still in the present tense until we get to the things after these things. So from chapter 2 until whenever the things after these things start, we are living in the book of Revelation. So it is a present tense about things that will happen in the future. So going back to the timeline, the first thing uh, is the, the things that are. That's the first chapter is the things that John saw um, because nothing else qualifies. And then we have to figure out things that are. And be clear that those things, until the thing, you know, the things, the, the things after these things, and then the things that, that are will become the things that were. I got very confused too, okay? So here's what I'm saying. From chapter 2 until whenever, and we're going to figure that out tonight, are the things that are. Once the things that are turn into things that are after these things, the things that are turn into things that were. We are not living in the things of were. We are living in the things of are. We're living in the book of Revelation right now. Until the things after these things start. You're like, man, you're getting confused. I know. Now you're welcome, welcome to my brain for the last two weeks trying to figure out this book and really how to teach it in a way that we can understand. Because, look, we can go deep. We can go shallow. But I'm trying to just get us a, a, a foundational sense of what we are. So that's clear as mud, right? Right. All right. So things that happen, things that are going to happen in whatever chapters until we get to the things that happen are. So only then do the things that are become the things that were, and we get the new things. So where does that break between the things that are and the things that will be happen? Uh, we have to find it somewhere in the text. We have to look in the Bible to find out when the things that are end and the things that begin after these things start. So turn over to Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. <clears throat> What's first word? Hey! After! After this, I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking to me which said come up hither and I will show thee, show thee what? Things which must be hereafter. So chapter 4 verse 1 tells us John gets caught up and a voice says, I'll show you the things that are going to happen after these things. I'll show you these future events. So uh, after these things, I looked. It literally means after these things that I saw, after these things that are all, I looked and saw the things that will be. Now John is not using these words casually. He's not just like, oh yeah, I saw this, I'm going to see that, and this is going to happen one day. He is following the outline the outline that Jesus gave him in chapter 1. Write what you saw, write the things that are, and write the things that will be. 
So he is obeying the structure that God has given him. So we can see now that the things that are, uh, the things after these things start in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, which means that the things that are in the start are chapters 2 and 3. The things that will be are chapters 4, uh, verses 4 through 22. So that's our outline. This is the outline of the book of Revelation. The things that John saw are chapter number 1. The things that are are chapters 1, are chapters 2 and 3. We are currently living in the R. We, a lot of people, and we're going to look at this next week, a lot of people look at the uh, letters to the seven churches as, you know, past events. The church of, Because again, Church of Laodicea, if, if you try to go to the First Baptist Church of Laodicea today, you're going to be highly disappointed. It ain't there. All the churches that are written to are gone, but the church is not. The church is still here because we are still here. So chapters 2 and 3 are the things that are, which means chapters 4 on are all things that will be. They're all the future events, which we all get very, very confused about and get very concerned about and aren't sure what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. So that's our outline. Chapter 1, things that he saw. Chapters 2 and 3, things that are. Chapters 4 through 22, things that will happen, things after these things, or things that will be. Now, uh, it may seem small, but why do, we, why do we go through all that, and I get these looks from April that I'm very confusing, and what am I talking about, just to outline a book of the Bible? So context is king. We've got to understand where we are in the Bible, who it's being written to, which means the things that are, who's that written to? Us. The things that will be, who's that written to? Us too, but people that will be here after that, uh, after these things. And so it gets very confusing. So uh, it's, a very, it's incre incredibly important to what we're going to see in this book because we've got to put ourselves in the right place in the timeline and understand what's happening in each chapter of the book of Revelation. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.